Welcome to another episode of the Property Nomad podcast. And today we're looking at six measures to improve your portfolio's thermal efficiency. I'm going to deep dive into that in a second. But before we get into that, we always love hearing from our listeners. We always love hearing from, you know, where people are from, how they found out about the podcast and stuff like that. Um, especially when an area that we've never heard of pops up before. So just a shout out to the uh, to you if you downloaded this from the Alland Islands. Uh, we had to Google this. We weren't even sure where these were. Although I do remember saying to Alan at the time, it sounds Scandinavian and lo and behold, I was right. Uh, so the Alland Islands, just for curiosity purposes, uh, it's an archipelago at the entrance to the Gulf of Bothnia, that's not Bosnia, but Bothnia in the Baltic Sea, and it belongs to Finland. That's an autonomous and demilitarized region of Finland, and it's Finland's only monolingually Swedish speaking region. So exciting stuff. I love love Googling that. So if you listen to this from the Island Islands and you hear this, you know, send us an email. We always love hearing from you anyway, especially uh, in these you know, far-flung places that you know, we've never heard of before. So just wanted to give a, a shout out there. Awesome stuff. All of that being said, yeah, let's get into the meat and veg of the content today, which is six measures to improve the thermal efficiency of your property, of your portfolio. Now, what we're going to go through today is it doesn't just apply if you've got a property portfolio. You know, it can apply to your own home as well plenty of things to go through and these are in no particular order and there's a variety of different expenses that are linked to each of these things as well but you know these are things that you might not have thought about these might be things that you've done already so there's going to be a nice mixture here the first thing to do first measure to improve the thermal efficiency of your property uh, is loft insulation so number one, loft insulation. Check what insulation you've got in your loft. If you've got a pitched roof, uh, you've got a loft hatch, get up a ladder, have a look, measure it, uh, measure the depth and see what it is. At the moment, at the time of recording, if the loft insulation is below 100 millimetres, then there's an energy company obligation to top that up for you. So if you're below 100 metres, or again, you've got tenants that are below 100 metres, get someone to contact your energy supplier to see how they can come around and top that up for you. That should be done for free. Of course, I'm, I'm not an energy company and of course they will all act differently. But certainly check for loft insulation as well. If you live in a property that's got a flat roof, then it's assumed that the roof is insulated, uh, but that might not stop you from at least getting a property survey done to establish whether or not more insulation can be put in. Loft insulation is one of the least expensive measures that there is. Uh, and there's a variety of insulation that you can get, but the most common one is some form of um, you know, sheep's wool or mineral wool as, as such. There are other the different thermal types of boarding that you can get, uh, but the sort of traditional mineral wool, uh, sheep's wool, etc., is is the way forward. So loft insulation number one. 
Number two is some form of either cavity wall insulation or external wall insulation. Uh, that really depends on the property uh, that you've got or the property that, you, that your tenants live in as well. Now, these external wall insulation can be quite expensive. There's no two ways about it. It can be quite expensive. If you've got tenants uh, on benefits or you know, you're currently on benefits for whatever reason, then there are you know green deals, eco deals out there that might be able to help you finance that. So they're worth looking at without a shadow of a doubt. If you're gonna do that, I recommend you check out cocoon.co. That's C-O-C-U-U-N dot C-O. Check them out and apply for a survey. If that's the case, I definitely recommend checking them out. External wall insulation, cavity wall insulation. So how can you tell the difference? How do you know what one's what? Well, traditionally, you can do this from telling the type of bricks that you've got. If you look at the outside of your property, there you'll see that you, you either have one type of brick, so they're all in the same you know, line. Uh, so basically they just look like full bricks. If that pattern is consistent through out the, the external side of the property, then you're more than likely you've got cavity wall. If you've got a mixture of the longer style bricks and then half bricks, and if you can see that pattern in your brickwork, then more than likely you have got a solid wall. For external insulation, it's solid wall. For cavity wall insulation, obviously you need a cavity wall to do that. Uh, the methodology behind getting them done is slightly different as well. I won't go into that here, uh, especially on external walls. A couple of ways to do that. Cavity wall, the simplest way is some people come in, they'll drill holes through in, into, into the cement, uh, through the cement until they reach the cavity, and then they'll uh, fill it basically um, normally with some form of polythene or some something similar to that, uh, little pellets and, and stuff like that, or some form of foam, something along those lines. So if you live in a place that's got cavity wall or, or solid brick wall, it might be worth looking at getting some form of cavity wall insulation done or some form of external wall insulation done. And again, would recommend getting a survey done before you do that as well. Uh, does say double check out cocoon.co. That's C-O-C-U-U-N dot C-O. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, talking of insulation, number three is floor insulation. Now there's a couple of types of flooring that you can get. You can get solid floor uh, or suspended timber floor. Uh, you can probably get a couple of others, but those are the main two that you're more than likely to find. If you're not sure what one you've got, the easiest thing to do is, is stamp on your floor. Uh, if it sounds hollow, then the chances are you have a suspended timber floor. If it doesn't sound hollow, then the chances are you have a solid floor. In order to get floor insulation, there's two different ways of doing it. If you've got suspended timber, then the idea is it's similar to loft insulation, um, i.e. the floor comes up. Normally, it's this wool stuff that will get laid down. Floor gets relayed, and then that should improve the thermal efficiency of your home. If you've got solid floors, 
then the process works a bit differently. And again, I'm not here to get into the nooks and crannies of that as such, but it's just to let you know that these are ways for you to be able to improve the thermal efficiency of your home. So that's floor insulation. So again, solid floor or suspended timber, figure out what one you've got. You can always check your EPC as well. That will normally tell you what you've got as well. Number four, thick curtains and draft proofing doors. So if you've got old school wooden doors in your property, uh, things that you might wanna do is put a little draft excluder on the bottom to stop the cold air from coming in. Same with your letterbox as well. Have a look at that. You can always get these uh, letterbox draft excluders too. So again, if you've got old school wooden doors, um, double check them out as well. And if you've got the, uh, you know, the ones where you've got the reinforced glass as well, but again, it's predominantly wooden. Again, look for, you know, different doors basically, or you can get these uh, strips that go around the doors that will help in the short term as well. And also thick curtains. Now, you know, depending on, on, on what you're doing, you might have curtains in your properties, you might have blinds. A good pair of good thick curtains can really, really help because rather than the air just flowing through all your windows, etc., etc., it'll pretty much get trapped. Uh, that's a good thing. Stops the cold from entering your home. So thick curtains are something to look at as well. Number five, double glazing. This is easier said than done because uh, it's possible that if you live in a conservation area or you live in a, a listed building, this might be a bit trickier to do. But if you've got a lot of single glazing, um, single glazing is not thermally efficient at all. Ideally, you want to be living in a place where you've got uh, post-2002 uh, double glazing. How do you know if you've got post-2002 double glazing? Well, if you've got a metal space bar, so that's the, so the area between the windows, if, it's, if you can see a metal bar in the strip between the two panes of glass, that is a very good indicator that the glass is post-2002. If you open a window, you more than likely be able to see some form of, um, you know, mark or date mark as well. And sometimes on the glass, you can see uh, a window manufacturer uh, logo in one of the corners. Those are all common signs of post-2002 double glazing. Uh, if you're landlord or yourself, you've got a fencer certificate. Uh, that came into force in 2002 as well. So that's another good way of knowing that you've got those form of windows. If you've got older form of double glazing uh, and you're happy that it's doing its job, don't worry about it, then it's fine. But it's always good to be up to date as best as possible. So any form of post-2002 double glazing would be fantastic. If you live near a motorway, then it might be worth looking at triple glazing as well. Um, but that's quite rare. It depends on the circumstances. Again, the caveat to that is just be careful if you live in a conservation area or you live in a listed building. It might not be that simple just to change a single glazing into double glazing. You need to be able to consult a council with that as well. Uh, and lastly is, is new boiler and, and looking at the heating system. 
And again, this might this is easier said than done because this depends on the type of property that you live in. Uh, again, if you live in a conservation area and you're looking to make changes to the outside because you put in a new flue in or something like that, that could be quite challenging. And again, if you live in a listed building, same challenges will apply. But you can get a new boiler. Boilers are relatively inexpensive, to be fair. Getting a new boiler with a five-year warranty or seven-year warranty, always very, very useful. And they can have a massive impact on your EPC rating in your home as well. So those are six measures. I'm, I'm sure there are other couple of minor measures as well, but they're the six main measures in order to improve your portfolio's thermal efficiency. Loft insulation, uh, number one there, that is probably the least expensive method. Uh, double check your lofts. If it's under 100 mil, speak to your energy company. They've got an obligation to top that up. If you can get anything around 200, 250, that is very, very good. That would be good. Number two, cavity wall insulation or external wall insulation. Remember to look at the style of brickwork that you've got in your, in your home. That will determine whether you've got cavity wall or external wall or solid brick wall, which would lead to external wall insulation. External wall insulation is a lot more expensive than cavity wall insulation. Again, if you listen to this and you're on benefits or you've got a tenant that's on benefits or anything like that, then you might be eligible to get some government help with this. I'd recommend checking out cocoon.co. Again, that link will be in the show notes, but that's C-O-C-U-U-N dot C-O. Number three is floor insulation. Double check whether you've got a solid floor or suspended timber floor. If you've got suspended timber floor, it's going to be a bit easier uh, to get the insulation done. So it's worth looking at that. Number four, thick curtains and draft proofing doors. That is a relatively inexpensive thing to do as well. Number five, double glazing. You might be surprised how inexpensive double glazing can be as well, especially if you're just changing the glass. If you're just changing the pane of glass, that can be quite inexpensive to do. Uh, if you're getting new windows, etc., then that not always the cheapest thing to do as well. If you're gonna go down that measure, again, just make sure that you're not living in a conservation area or an area in which you might need planning or you're living in a listed building. Just be very, very careful with that, please. Uh, number six, new boiler and new heating system. So for example, if you haven't got any boiler, then it might, you might wanna consider getting one in. If you've got no gas connection, for example, because there are parts of the UK where there are no gas connections, then you wanna try and find the best way in order to get a, a suitably heated home uh, that's not going to cost a bomb to run i'd recommend having a quick google google search of of ways to do that there are many many ways in which that can be achieved with varying levels of cost as well so i'm hoping that helps the government have got massive schemes uh, coming up they're always chopping and changing the rules as we're fully aware of and there's going to be different you know, grants for different things at different times. So I'd always recommend uh, keep checking in with the podcast where you can as well. Uh, have a good Google around. There's always things that are, are changing. So keep your eyes peeled. And if the government are offering out uh, incentives or, or cash to help you improve your home, then, you know, my advice would be to certainly look into it. Uh, it will be worth it. I'd highly recommend you do that. 
especially as they're trying to, in the long run, get, I believe it's every dwelling in the UK, uh, sorry, England, uh, up to at least a C rating, which is easier said than done, especially as we're dealing with a lot of Victorian stock and a lot of Edwardian and early Georgian stock, which are not always the easiest of buildings to uh, bring up to current day regs, but probably a different podcast for a different time. So that's six measures to improve your portfolio's thermal efficiency. As always, uh, we love hearing from you. Do check out social medias as well, uh, the Property Nomads podcast. We are getting more active on Instagram and so forth as well, uh, doing a book recommendation a week, uh, what we're listening to, what we've been reading uh, and how that helps. Uh, do check in with us as much as you can. Also email us uh, if you have something you want to hear on the show or you're interested in appearing on the podcast or you might be listening to this, run a big business and you want to sponsor the podcast. We're always open to offers that people have. That's rob at tpmpodcast.com. Thank you very much for your time. Until next time, enjoy improving your homes and hasta luego.